Do not panic, ladies and gentlemen. A casual has taken control of the airwaves. This is Casually Hardcore Live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. Um... For Sunday, the 27th of March, 2011, this is Casually Hardcore. I am Gnomewise. And insert crickets here. Yes, I am flying solo. God help you all. This might be a very, very brief show. We shall see. And, well, I'm not flying entirely solo. Uh, Parked on the ground next to me is a certain arch nemesis who may or may not make her presence known during the course of the show and will be the agent of change should I need to cut the show short. So she holds the power in the palm of her tiny, tiny hand. We're all going to die. So if you're joining us live, and you should be, you should be joining the new and lightly improved video wall. Yes, now featuring names. Come to vtwproductions.com and click on the chat button at the top of the page. If you have a webcam, choose chat and video, and you will be prompted to turn on your webcam and join the video wall. And now, for the first time ever, thank you, TalkBox, is the ability to choose a name to appear in your window. And that's something that myself, Barry VA, Evil Otaku, the original copy, Ahran, but not Pusar, strange. I know Pusar by sight, because she's there stroking her pussy. And she is still guest user 10036010544, which I guess arguably is a sexier name than Pusar, but not. Come to that video wall. Join us. Show us your lovely nerdy face, just like mine, and enjoy the fun that is video on the interwebs. If you do not have a webcam, simply choose chat, and you can join us in Internet Relay Chat, where you will find our producer, the one, the only, Barry Von Awesome. And sadly, my drop-ins on this rig are not working. Yeah, see, I'm hitting buttons, and nothing is happening. So it's a sad, sad day in uh, Sam Broadcasterville. And no, I'm not going to sing the Barry White on my own, because I don't hate you that much, and everything will be fine just without that. <sighs> Pusar, you're refusing to give us your name when we all know who you are. She's the one in the European Union reclining on her couch, and until recently had a lovely pussy that she was stroking in video, but no longer. <sighs> These things take time. So... Around versus the World Productions. I want to give you a quick tour of some of the little things we've added to the site lately so you can come and enjoy them. If you are an owner of an iOS device, that would be an iPod Touch, an iPhone of some flavor, or iPad 1, or now iPad 2, we have an iOS player on the front page. If you come to vtwproductions.com, and on the left-hand side where the lovely There Would Be a Flash Player Here If Only Your Device Supported Flash button appears 
Underneath that is a link for iOS users. Click here. That will open up a lovely HTML5-based player that will work just fine on your iOS device. Enjoy. I was actually quite gratified to hear someone shouting out to it on the just recently passed episode of Versus the World. And I'm glad somebody noticed that I put that in there. But I wanted to shout it out to all you guys. If you've got iOS devices, you can partake of them and listen live from your mobile device because that is how we roll. Also, we are preparing for uh, Versus the World's plunge into fantasy baseball. Uh, Emperor 1G is sponsoring this. In fact, they had their live-on-the-air video-streamed draft on Friday. And in support of that, I'm beginning to put things into the site. So they're now underneath the sports chat forum. There's a child board for the 2011 Fantasy Baseball League. And also, if you want to come to www.vtwproductions.com slash baseball, you'll see the framework I am designing for the leaderboard. And hopefully we'll populate that with more things that are of interest to people participating in fantasy baseball. I've never done fantasy sports, so I haven't the slightest idea what kinds of things you need. So please come to the forums and tell me what I should be including in that uh, baseball page by joining the 2011 Fantasy Baseball Forum underneath Sports Chat. Do as I say! Do it now. Actually, do it after the live show, because I would rather you all listen to me. Because my ego is predicated on such things. But hey, that's just me. Okay, so what else do we have going on around the versus the world land? Well, I put out a call during the week for volunteers, and several of you have stepped forward. We are looking for someone to champion the Facebook pages, uh, someone to what we used to call IRC repping, and now we refer to it as producing for some of the shows that do not have uh, producers currently. And I think I've got all the applications I need for helping me administer the 24-7 service. So you can stop sending in apps on that. I've got to sort through the ones I've got and choose a victim. I mean, choose a helper out of them. Thank you for all of you who have risen to the challenge and been willing to volunteer your time and efforts to keep Versus the World Productions rolling. Yes, we are 100% volunteer uh, run. So if you think you can help out. We are welcoming all applicants at this time. So check out the front page of vtwproductions.com and send me a personal message on the forums if you think you may be interested in helping us out. We appreciate it. Oh, yes. Yes, we do. All right. So what else do we have on Mr. Front Page here? I think that's pretty much all the new major goodies I've added recently. So we have the iOS player. Uh, Thankfully... This morning, in the wee hours of 3, 4 a.m. or so, uh, the European nations that participate in Daylight Saving Time have joined us. So there is no longer a time warp disparity between the U.S.-based operations of Versus the World and the EU and U.K.-based operations of Versus the World. So there should not be any more confusion about when stuff is on the air, when people are supposed to present themselves for live shows, and all that lovely stuff. So the countdown timers on the front page have been adjusted accordingly. If you notice any errors that I may have made or discrepancies or things not refreshing, please let me know via personal message, or you can let me know right now in the IRC. If you have your own IRC client, you can point it at irc.quakenet.org and join the 
pound VTW, as in versus the world channel, and you will see us all there hanging out and chatting about what I'm talking about on the air right now. Alternately, if you need to get a hold of me, you can send an email to the show at alphageekradio.com. That is the show at alphageekradio.com. And Vernon, you have to ask who is Arch Nemesis? The squeaker. And, and, and she's speaking up on command, on demand. And the scary thing is, she is, uh, yeah, becoming mobile. God help me. Um, the baby proofing will be coming soon. Um, she's now actually scooting around the room on, on her belly right now. Not quite fully mobile, but is threatening becoming mobile real soon. Like So if I uh, drop off the face of the internet and I'm never heard from again, it just means my child transitioned from... Uh, baby blob to toddler, which is a whole other uh, realm of fear and loathing and parenting, which I never thought I was going to be doing again. Oh, how the universe makes fun of me. <sighs> Sign it. No, hang on. Now I have to stare into the black void, do some reading here, and make for some really, really bad radio. Uh, wow, Vernon, you haven't been listening for a while, have you? Because last time you listened, it was only Nemesis. Yeah, Arch Nemesis arrived last April, uh, two months ahead of schedule, uh, to much uh, joy and uh, wringing of hands on our end, and is now coming up on her uh, level one ding before too much awfully longer here, which is also uh, quite terrifying to me. But that's a whole other story, which I won't get into just now. Squeaker, 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 squeak, squeak them? Yes. They are very adorable at that age, and then they start to move. All right, digressing. Getting back over to the Versus the World forums, which you should be hanging out in frequently, because it is very active and a very fun part of our community. I'm going to go over to the research thread and see what kinds of fun things have been suggested to me, which should have been us if anyone else had bothered to show up, but I'm not bitter. What kinds of fun things have happened in the last week for us to talk about this week? And the title, as established by Boba Fetish this, year, this uh, week, has for the research thread is Casually Hardcore Gets a Dose of Radiation. Mutations and Zombies Await. Alrighty then. Contributors this week include the aforementioned Boba Fetish, Fangs, Deus Ex, None Left, Sesulian or Sakulian, who one day might let us know how to pronounce his name. Thank you very much for all your contributions. And in this week's... Huh, this is more of a visual gag, but I'll have uh, Barry VA link it in the IRC, and I will also include it in this week's show notes. XKCD does a radiation radiation dose chart based on all the... Oh my God, panic that the mass media in the U.S. is going through because of the difficulties at the Japanese nuclear power stations in the wake of the earthquake and tsunami, uh, which for those living nearby those facilities is no joke because the radiation leakage is significant. But the unbelievable misinterpretation, misrepresentation, and outright 
wrong reporting going on about how clouds of deadly radiation are going to be approaching the west coast of the United States any second now uh, just makes me weep for the future of humanity. And XKCD, and if you don't follow XKCD.com, how can you call yourself a nerd? Uh, you should, absolutely. It's one of the best uh, web-based comic strips in existence with a special bent towards uh, nerdiness and geekiness. And the radiation dose chart, you can see, kind of puts into very realistic terms and quite accurately, as far as I can tell you, cites some uh, a list of very reputable sources for what kind of dose you're actually getting and what those dose levels compared to what you encounter just on a day-to-day basis. And the squeaker uh, would like to be picked up, so please stand by. And those of you joining us in the video wall get a special bonus of Baby. Say hi to the folks at Nemesis. Of course she won't, because she does not do tricks. She just squeaks when she wants to. And, of course, my email client has just blown up because it's that kind of a day. And that is how I roll. Close the program. Bye-bye now, Vista. Bye-bye. Okay, where were we? That's one is entirely sad. But our friends at DC Comics had to close or have chosen to close commenting on their various blogs due to trolling. And Barry V can link this in the IRC, and we'll also include it in the show notes. And from the article, in today's installment of This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things News, the official blog of the DC Universe, The Source, has closed down their comment section following a brief but intense flame war that broke out on a recent post and spiraled into personal attacks against readers, creators, and members of the DC Comics staff. As for what could possibly have inspired so much anger from the readers that the source had to lock the whole site down in order to keep things from getting worse, well, it won't surprise anyone who has spent more than five minutes reading any given forum on the internet that the vitriol was based on a subject of absolute life-or-death importance. Who runs faster, Superman or The Flash? Yeah. Massive flame war erupted because of nerd hate flying back and forth about who's faster, The Flash or Superman. (sighs) And that's all I have to say on that topic, is a deep and heartfelt sigh. And this is indeed why we can't have nice things. This is the yet another... Illustration of the John Gabriel Greater Internet Bleep Wad Theorem, which goes along the lines of anonymity plus large audience equals, and to phrase it uh, more politely, bringing out the absolute worst in people. (sighs) Could it possibly get any dumber than that? I submit to you that it can and probably will before too much awfully longer, but hey, that's just how the Internet works. So we had some interesting uh, Stephen King news come out recently, and it's showing up on my radar a little bit more than usual just because I'm in the midst of reading, or should say listening to the Audible 
uh, unabridged audiobook of the Dark Tower series, which uh, I'm in the final book, and it has taken some, I believe the word is interesting turns in the storyline, but I'm going to try to avoid being too, spoiler, being too spoilery. But Stephen King, in one area, announced that he will be going back and writing another novel in the Dark Tower series that actually fits into the existing chronologies, not extending or doing a prequel. There was a period of time between, uh, I believe it was the Wastelands and Wolves of the Kala, where he feels there are stories yet to be told, where he thinks he jumped ahead just a bit uh, in their storylines and said, hey, there's stuff that popped into my head here that I think is enough for a novel, so watch for that in the coming years. Uh, don't believe it has a working title yet. And also, Stephen King may be heading to working on writing for The Walking Dead. From IGN. There. See, all I had to do was not ask her to speak, and she spoke right up. From IGN, actors tease famous authors' involvement and more about season two of The Walking Dead. The IGN Theater at C2E2 hosted a packed house for The Walking Dead panel today, and fans learned that Stephen King is in talks to write a season two episode. Editor's note, F yeah. Lori Holden, who plays Andrea on the series, dropped the news of the panel. Which episode that it might be is still up in the air. Frank Darabont, the show's executive producer, has a long-standing relationship with King, having adapted King's Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, and The Mist for the big screen. John Bernthal, who plays Shane, also revealed that Darabont will not direct the season two premiere, but will most likely helm the episode, helm an episode later in the season's run. So there's probably a pretty good match there. Uh, Stephen King, I don't think Stephen King has ever really done pure zombie fiction in his work previously, but I, I still feel like that's a pretty good, a pretty good fit. Um, so. The relatively high standards and and the uh, relatively true adaptation of comic into television series that AMC has done thus far is about to get uh, supplemented by a little Stephen King love. We shall see. We'll also see what happens here as Nemesis attempts to unplug my microphone. But hey, that's just how we're rolling today. And in the land of zombies, we have from the Post-Gazette, and now... Zombies have stun guns. Man in zombie mask attacks with stun gun. Leechburg, Pennsylvania. Okay, what an unfortunate name for a region. Leechburg. I used to think that Blythe was the most unfortunately named uh, city ever. I think Leechburg may be a contender for taking, uh, taking the title. A man is charged with attacking another man with a stun gun while using a zombie mask to conceal his identity. Allegheny Township Police say a 28-year-old Darab Wright was arrested Saturday, a day after the alleged attack. Uh, Police Chief John Fontaine says the victim went to Mr. Wright's apartment to collect money for auto body work, but Wright didn't answer the door. So the man returned to his car to wait. Investigators say Mr. Wright, wearing a Halloween mask, then suddenly opened the victim's car door and repeatedly discharged the stun gun in the man's face. Fontaine says the mask fell off during the attack, revealing Mr. Wright's identity. He is free on bail, facing charges including aggravated assault and robbery. Okay. In the face? I mean, it's bad enough to get hit with a stun gun. And if you ever experienced that, 
Those things are awfully effective. But in the face? Damn. Uh, that's, you know, with extreme prejudice, ladies and gentlemen. Holy crap. So not only is he doing a bad zombie impersonation, he is tasering a man in the face. To which I can say only... Ow! Alright, so... We have our first break coming up here. Somehow I've managed to struggle through half an hour of content with help from Arch Nemesis. We've got some music queued up for you here, and I have no idea what it is. We have at least, at the very least, some Molly Lewis with Peep Fight, because it's Molly Lewis. And I just desperately need to get out there and get her uh, open letter to Stephen Fry, which is uh, one of her more recent efforts. And you know, she's basically offering Stephen Fry the use of her body for breeding, because she thinks his, you know, genes should not pass out of the greater hum- human gene pool. And I, I am for this. I am in support of this. But for now, here comes Molly Lewis with Peep Fight. We'll be back right after this. So saith Arch Nemesis. Versus the World Radio uses Typefrag Ventrilo servers. Try them out for free at www.ztwproductions.com. Once you've experienced their incredible sound quality of their high availability worldwide servers, sign up for your own vent server at typefrag.com. Use promo code VTW for a special deal. Try on all of their fantastic features, such as their money-back guarantee, instant setup over the Internet, web-based control panel, live chat support, and servers based around the world, so you can always find one that is near to where you like to play. Versus the World uses Typefrag, and so should you. www.typefrag.com, promo code VTW. Good monkey 
monkey have long walk back to cubicle. He sit down to tend to work. Good monkey not thinking so straight. Good monkey not feeling so free. Good monkey like Fritos. Good monkey like Tab and Mountain Dew. Good monkey, very simple man. Big warm fuzzy secret heart. Good monkey like you. He thinks someday he have everything, even pretty girl like you. Code monkey just waiting for now. Code monkey says someday, somehow. Code monkey like Fritos. Code monkey like Tab and Mountain Dew. Code monkey very simple man. Big warm fuzzy secret heart. Code monkey like you. Casually Hardcore continues live on Versus the World Radio with me, Gnome Wise, and nobody else. Because no one, and I do mean no one, loves me. I'm sorry, was that my out loud voice? Welcome back to the Gnome Wise and Arch Nemesis show. Arch Nemesis has been sated with a Ritz cracker. We'll see how long that lasts. And we will continue on into the wonderful nerdy goodness that the research thread has brought to us this week. Also, second song in that music break was from the wonderful Jonathan Colton, and that was the famous Code Monkey, and is the theme song of anyone who programs for a living and or works in IT, because that's pretty much how our lives go, which is a little bit sad when you consider it. All right, next up from Boba Fetish... We have the record industry requests a 75 trillion, no, that's not a typo, 75 trillion dollar settlement from LimeWire copyright case. This from Law.com. Manhattan federal judge Kimba Wood calls record companies request for 75 trillion dollars in damages absurd in LimeWire copyright case. You think? Does $75 trillion even exist? The 13 record companies that are suing file-sharing company LimeWire for copyright infringement certainly thought so. When they won a summary judgment ruling last May, they demanded damages that could reach this mind-boggling amount, which is more than five times the national debt. Manhattan Federal District Court Judge Kimba Wood, however, saw things differently. She labeled the record company's damages request absurd and contrary to copyright laws in a 14-page opinion. The record companies, which had, record, which had demanded damages ranging from $400 billion to $75 trillion, had argued that Section 504C1 of the Copyright Act provided for damages for each instance of infringement where two or more parties were liable. 
For a popular site like LimeWire, which had thousands of users and millions of downloads, Wood held that the damage award would be staggering under this interpretation. If plaintiffs were able to pursue a statutory damage theory predicated on the number of direct infringers per work, the defendant's damages could reach into the trillions, she wrote. As defendants note, plaintiffs are suggesting an award that is more money than the entire music recording industry has made since Edison's invention of the phonograph in 1877. Oh, music industry, how you make us hate you. You wonder... Why no one respects you or your business model when you pull moronic maneuvers like this one? <sighs> I was listening to the morning stream this week, and they were talking about, I believe, Bon Jovi coming out saying that Steve Jobs had ruined the uh, music industry with his lovely only download the tracks that are actually good model instead of force you to buy a crappy $17 CD to get the two songs you actually like model that used to artificially support the music industry. And I had the thought of, because one of the complaints was people no longer have the opportunity as often to discover tracks that they like by having to get the whole album and hear stuff, hey, I never would listen to this one because it wasn't top 40, but I really love it, so it's become part of my personal playlist. And my thought was, bring back the B-side. Used to be, back in the olden times, get off my lawn, 45 singles were the norm. When they were really trying to promote a particular song, they would release it as a single. And the single would have the popular song on one side, and then there would be the B-side, which was another song that they thought people might like and hoped that they would pick up on because they bought it for the one song, and hey, we get this bonus of the B-side. So for our $0.99 cent or $1.29 download through iTunes, why not start including a bonus track of the recording industry's choosing to promote, hey... Here's some more stuff from either this artist or another artist we think you might like in order to bring back that advertising tool. Huh? Huh? And to them, they were probably saying, oh, no, we're not going to give away more music for free. Are you nuts? We need to get our old revenue model back. $75 trillion, huh? Yeah, that's totally going to work for you guys, and you're not going to drive us any further towards independent creators who release their stuff via Creative Commons who are currently getting all of my music money, but I'm not bitter. Next up from the research thread, and thank you again to all of our research, from cinemablend.com. Paramount is still making World War Z, but only with outside financing help. Though it's been in some kind of stalled development hell for years now, Paramount's, Paramount's planned adaptation of Max Brooks's novel World War Z seems to be enjoying new life as of July, with Brad Pitt ready to star as one of the soldiers fighting off the invading undead hordes, and Quantum of Solace's Mark Forster set to direct. The novel, which purports to be an oral history of the zombie war, that nearly destroyed humanity was going to be incredibly tricky to adapt, but also has major potential to be a stellar action movie. 
Apparently, Paramount still believes the movie could work, but not quite enough to sink the full required $125 million into making it happen. According to Vulture, the studio looking for some deep-pocketed investors to help them foot the bill for the film, which could be a PG-13-rated giant action movie starring Brad Pitt, and therefore kind of a sure thing, but also an investment in something that isn't a comic book or a toy, which apparently represents too great a risk these days. Oh, Hollywood, with your desire to only go with sure things. I'm torn, because Hollywood brings us a great deal of entertainment, and I've been soaking up probably more than my share of Netflix Instant View streaming over the last couple weeks. But I think one of the most evil things that Hollywood ever came up with was the sequel uh, equation. And the general rule is any sequel to a successful blockbuster is guaranteed, unless you profoundly screw the pooch, I'm looking at you, Highlander, too, uh, guaranteed to make at least two-thirds of the box of the original film. So if you can just be strategic about your budgeting and make sure that your budget comes in at less than two-thirds of the anticipated box, you can have more or less a guaranteed moneymaker on your hands, which is a happy, happy thing in Hollywood land. Uh, but it gets us trapped in these, we only do movies that we know from previous experience are going to work. So they make the reference in this article to, it's not based on a toy or a comic book, which are the most recent in vogue things to base things on. Therefore, we're not going to make it. And thus is innovation and creativity stifled. Go, go, independent film scene. God, we need you more than ever. And the recently passed uh, South by Southwest conference, even though it has more or less been completely co-opted by mainstream media, uh, did have some promising-looking things coming out of it. So here's hoping. And here, I hope that World War Z sees the light of day, because I think I agree that it is excellent source material. Uh, really well-written and could certainly, while not being a true adaptation of the original content, could still be a damn entertaining movie. Just the concepts illustrated there if they could somehow also manage to have it true to form, as it being an oral retelling of the uh, zombie war told in various episodic parts, that could still totally work as well. We'll see. Hopefully they'll see the light of day sometime in the next couple of years here. And here in the land of irony, Napster founder might buy Metallica's record label. Now, for those of you who weren't paying attention during the Napster era... Metallica was one of the most vocal opponents of free movie download or free music downloading. Fire bad! Um, and the irony here is the original founder of Napster may be buying them lock, stock, and barrel. From Crawdaddy Magazine at crawdaddy.com. Ha! This is just too great. Sean Parker is in talks with investors to purchase Warner Music Group. My, how the worm turns. So, remember about a decade ago how Metallica drummer Lars Ulrich became the most outspoken rock celeb to lash out at Napster, which was at that point the biggest illegal file sharing service and the first to get in trouble? 
An unreleased Metallica demo was leaked and wound up on the radio, which clued the band into the fact that their entire back catalog was being shared freely between Napster users. And so they became the first artists to stack their own lawsuit on top of the one the RIAA had already planted. It was the RIAA that shut them down, but they later, they did later also pony up a huge financial settlement with Metallica. It was the dawn of the ethics conversation regarding file sharing that continues even today. And Lars, though he had a point, also set himself up through the manner of his public discourse to be viewed as a rich, arrogant, fan-hating prick, craving only further riches. Well, look who might be signing your checks now, Lars. Sean Parker, co-founder of Napster, who, of course, went on to become a billionaire via Facebook. See Tim's character, CJ Tim's character in The Social Network. Yeah, small world syndrome. Be careful who you criticize and piss off, for one day you may be working for them. <sighs> that would just be just wonderfully ironic. Fire bad! But I digress. I really wish I had my working drop-ins right now. I don't know what's wrong with my poor drop-in panel. <sighs> Love me! Alrighty, continuing with our theme of simply trolling our way down the research thread from this week. Thank you, guys. You've saved the show because otherwise this was going to get canceled. So everybody thank your researchers for keeping us on the air, putting at least something out in a podcast form, which everyone's probably tuned out of at this point. You live listeners, well, you're just trapped. <laughs> but I digress. Banned WoW Gamer offers $1,000 to get account back. If you get banned from playing WoW, you probably shouldn't offer a cash bribe via Craigslist to get the account reactivated. We'll only just make, we'll only just make fun of you for it. This is from The Escapist, escapistmagazine.com. Home of Yahtzee, Croshaw, zero punctuation, and all the nonstop rambling that is his little corner of the universe. Getting hit by the ban hammer is never easy to endure, especially if the blow results in a permanent suspension of one's favorite MMO. While, uh-oh, we have squeaking from the arch nemesis. Please stand. See, Arch Nemesis merely wishes to participate in the broadcast day by being in my lap, as it were. All right, where were we? We were on the escapist. And when trying to appeal the ban, while trying to appeal the ban might get the decision reversed, it usually won't. And there's really only one way to deal with this sort of scenario. Accept it and move on. Trying to hire an account admin on the sly in order to reactivate the account, on the other hand, probably isn't the best mood. 
World of Warcraft gamer out in Irvine, California, recently got in, in his own opinion, unjustly banned, according to the story posted online. I got my WoW account banned yesterday during the Archaeology Bot Ban Wave. I wasn't a gold farmer or seller, never bought gold. I just botted Archaeology because it's a boring profession. As a result, the player is now trying to blatantly bribe an account admin to reactivate the account via an ad on Craigslist. I'm looking for a WoW account admin, WoW account admin at blizzard.com, to unban my account for $1,000. U.S. dollars. No questions asked. Your anonymity will be preserved. This is a serious offer. I live locally and can meet you in person wherever you like with cash, PayPal, or money order. Money as a gift. Non-refundable and non-disputable by me. Leave, <laughs> leave it in an envelope under a tree or pay you by any other manner you prefer. You will definitely get your money if I get my account back. You will have my full information, name, address, everything. Email me and I will give you my phone number and we can talk. Yeah, that was not the brightest thing ever. I suppose if you have zero hope of getting it unbanned because you actually were botting, <clears throat> then this desperation move was really all that was available to you. But thank you, thank you for giving the rest of us on the internet a good laugh. We appreciate it. More stupid people, please. From our friends at Blizzard Entertainment, the kings, just after George Lucas, of uh, divorcing us from our hard-earned money. Ah, so sorry. Guild transfer and guild rename services coming. Blue post by Nathera, longtime friend of the station. We want to give everyone an early heads up regarding our plan to implement a guild relocation service for World of Warcraft. The idea is for a guild leader to be able to transfer a guild to another realm. The guild structure remains intact, including the guild leader, guild bank, ranks, and guild name, depending on availability. Guild members who decide to relocate with their guild may initiate their own paid character transfer. Upon a successful transfer, they will be automatically be part of the guild when they first log on to the new realm. Their guild rank and guild reputation will be intact. Guild leaders who do not want to change their scenery may also choose to pick a new guild name using another new service. These services are in development, and we will be providing additional details at a future point in time. As with all the features and services we offer, we intend to incorporate the guild relocation service in a way that will not disrupt the gameplay experience. Please note that this feature will require extensive internal testing, so you may see bits and pieces of the service appear on the public test realms. We'll announce further details at worldofwarcraft.com. So yeah, yet another instance of Blizzard taking one of their database programmers, setting them aside for, I don't know, a couple of days worth of intensive coding, and creating a money-printing extravaganza. Way to go, guys. You just, that's right up there with the reskinned pets for cash. <sighs> I suppose it's a service people might be interested in having, making use of, coming up with the perfect guild name long after you've established your guild and not wanting to break and reform, especially now in the land of guild reputation and guild achievements. The ability to uh, change that guild name to the cool new game, new name, and or to move the guild lock, stock, and barrel to a more active realm or just to get out of a realm where either you have soured your own reputation or just where things aren't hopping the way you want them to be hopping. These are things that people will pony up money for, and I guess they're useful. I'm just a little cynical when it comes to whenever Blizzard rolls out a paid service because it just seems like money grab, but it's totally optional, so hey. What can I say? Coming soon to a World of Warcraft 
near you. Speaking of cash grabs, next on the list, from wow.joystick.com, new winged lion mount coming soon to the Blizzard store. Yes, yet another that retorted horse. This would be that retarded flying lion. Blizzard has posted to its Facebook wall that the above mount pictured in the linked in the show notes and linked in IRC article will be coming soon to the Blizzard store. We don't know the official name of the mount, though data mining points it to being called the Winged Lion, which would make sense, and the price or any other details. Stay tuned here at WoW Insider. We will get you any other information we have on this mount as it comes in. So yet another, hey, I have disposable income, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me in-game item, which you can park right next to the shiny TRH in your stables. <sighs> Blizzard, if I were half as good at milking people for money as you are, I would be independently wealthy. But I'm not. Therefore, I'm jealous. Moving on. Here's an interesting uh, stab from the Nintendo people towards the Apple people in the form of, we don't want your stinking unprofessional developers on our platform. Uh, in a thinly veiled stab at the kind of low-end crap that can show up on the Apple App Store for the iOS devices, Nintendo has posted, let's see, sharpening, this is from uh, gizmodo.com, Sharpening a divide between the version of the games industry they like and the version that they don't want to participate in, Nintendo has stated that it won't work, it does not want to work with, quote, garage, end quote, developers. The very people responsible for many of the good and many more of the god-awful games on the iPhone and other amateur-friendly gaming platforms are not the people Nintendo wants to work with to create and sell video games. I would separate, separate out the true independent developer versus the hobbyist, Nintendo of America president Phil's I'm said Gamasutra's Chris Morris during a recently published interview. We are absolutely reaching out to the independent developer. Where we've drawn the line is where we are not looking to do business today with the garage developer. In our views, that's not a business we want to pursue. Phil's aims comments were an intentional echo of the remarks made by Nintendo President Satoru Iwata during his keynote address at the Game Developers Conference earlier this month. A keynote against which, and literally across the street from which, Apple Store Apple Steve Jobs was unveiling the iPad 2. Stand by. Yes, this interruption brought to you by Arch Nemesis. Get your own at the Apple Store today. Uh, where were we here? Yes, literally across the street from where Apple was unveiling the iPad 2. In his address to developers, Iwata avoided mentioning Apple, but lamented the influence of companies that make mobile platforms that run games that aren't built around games, saying the value of video game software does not matter to them. He championed the craftsmanship of dedicated developers and lamented the supported devaluing effect of free and $1 games. So, Nintendo is feeling the press of... Generic platforms like iOS and Android eroding their portable gaming business. Stand by. So people who have an Android device or an iOS device, 
I bet Nintendo is feeling they're less likely to pony up money for a Nintendo 3DS. And they say, well, I can get my gaming on with my smartphone or my tablet. What do I need a dedicated gaming device for? And this is kind of their form of, okay, we had better have superior software to offer if we're going to survive this transition. And they're trying to highlight the fact that, hey, those 99-cent games you're getting, you should probably notice that they're crap. Now, granted, you only paid 99 cents for them, but please, for the love of God, pony up $40 for the game card on your new 3DS because it's our business model. It will be interesting to see where this pans out. But it's nice to it's not nice to see, but it's interesting to see that Nintendo is feeling the heat from the uh burgeoning development environment for generic portable computing devices. We'll see. Moving on. Uh where no, sorry, my screen has just gone blank. Interesting. Here we go, it's back. From SMH.com Revenge of the Geek. MacBook Thief Made a Fool of on YouTube. God, I love technology. Never steal a laptop from a geek. That's the lesson for gadget-stealing thieves after Mark Bow made mincemeat out of the reputation of a man who nicked his MacBook Air one and a half months ago. The 18-year-old Boston, Massachusetts University student at the weekend posted on the web... A video of the thief dancing to a rap song that was recorded with the stolen laptop's webcam. The footage was found using special backup software that he had installed on the laptop that would upload any new files to a computer server, which only he has access to. In essence, I was able to get into their files, Bao said, speaking with Fairfax. So when the thief decided to record some fancy new dance moves to music in front of the newly stolen laptop's web camera, the video file was uploaded promptly to the server, which Bao said he only discovered at the weekend when he was looking for a file that had been backed up. After seeing it, he decided to upload it to YouTube, and it has since gone viral, attracting more than 500,000 views. Since then, Bao says the thief has contacted him, telling him that he had returned the laptop to Bao's university campus police. Through Facebook message, the thief also demanded that the video be taken down. Excuse me? Demanded? You're a thief? And you're trying to demand something of your victim? Yeah. It basically said that he was really sorry and he had returned the laptop to the police station. He wanted me to remove the video because it might impact his future. Charges were let yet to be laid, Bao said. Comment was sought from was sought from the Bowes University Police Station at the time of writing. Comment was not available due to time zone differences. Asked if Bow would remove the video now that the laptop had been recovered, he said, "It depends." Go, Bow. Go. Leave it the hell up there. He deserves every piece of humiliation. People who steal. I mean, I work. Way too hard for the little bit of stuff that I have. And anyone who thinks that they have the right to come and relieve me of it, just because they think it's a good idea, yeah. Worst amongst the worst kind of scum on the planet. But I'm not bitter. All right, that brings us up against our next music break. You are listening. Whoa. I have a very active young lady in my arms here. You're listening to Casually Hardcore with Gnomewise Flying Solo. 
live on Versus the World Video, vtwproductions.com. I'm queuing up a little bit of Brew Guy for you, Daryl Brewer. This is The Legend of Massive Manamsky. We'll be back right after this. You know those songs about those badass mothers that kill about a hundred people and just walk away at the end of the movie? Well, this is one of those massive, except it's not one of those.
On your tiny platform stage With your skin of band-aid beige You silently inhabit my whole world In the same pose every day You have stole my heart away You're my fantastic plastic girl You're Just makes me love you even more so We would be the perfect match If I could just get you detached From the steel support rod bolted to your torso My little darling, I know we'll rise above Those who would condemn our love Resisting all their efforts to examine it Ah, but if they only knew The loving heart that beats in you Notwithstanding that you are in enemy I'd swim the Atlantic and roam the seas To bring my mannequin home to me And until you snap in half you'll rock my world I'll never tire of your beauty Or your smoking hot fiberglass booty You're my fantastic plastic girl bit more sexable if you were just a bit more flexible you're my fantastic plastic girl we really mean it your worth as a mate is debatable but at least you're not inflatable
Casually Hardcore continues live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. And through the miracle of programming an extra song during the break and the intertubes, I am now joined by the Barry Vaughn Awesome. Barry VA, say hi to the folks. Hello, folks. And here's hoping that you guys can actually hear him because I've never tried to change my settings like this midstream before to rig from local hosting to uh, remote Skype hosting. So here's hoping that in about 40 seconds time here, the IRC will let us know if anyone just heard anything when Barry was supposed to be speaking just then. And Aran says, hi, Barry. So I guess they must have heard it because I didn't mention this in the IRC and he knows to say hi, Barry. So yay, yay, yay. Huzzah! Huzzah! So, where were we on the list of things in the research channel here? We were up to the copyright troll, were we not? I think so, yeah. And now the dog is going bat crap crazy outside. I may have to um, squeeze the life out of him here before too much off the longer, but I digress. Copyright troll Righthaven achieves spectacular fair use loss. This from Ars Technica. Whoops, in its bid to sue hundreds of bloggers, commentators, and website operators from posting even a few sentences from newspaper stories, the copyright zealots at Righthaven have just scored an own goal. Last Friday, a federal judge ruled in one of the company's many lawsuits, saying that even the company, even the complete republication of copyrighted newspaper's content can be fair use. Righthaven has achieved national notoriety for its business model, which involves scouring the web, including tiny blogs and nonprofits, for Las Vegas Review Journal and other newspaper stories. When it finds a match, Righthaven licenses the copyright from the cooperating newspaper and sues the article poster without warning for statutory damages of up to $150,000. In addition, it routinely demands the poster's domain name be transferred to Righthaven. <laughs> totally legitimate way of making money, don't you think? No, this is the first I've read this, too. I, I didn't manage to read absolutely all of the stuff in the research thread beforehand. I kind of skimmed the headlines and only read the articles that popped out at me, but this is ridiculous. You think? <laughs> Whatever was your first clue? I'm just kind of pissed I didn't think of it first. The, kind, the whole concept of the patent troll, uh, people who <laughs> buy up these spurious patents and then organize companies to do nothing but attempt to enforce these patents, many of which have no grounding in reality and have obvious prior art out there that completely invalidates them but use intimidation tactics and the fact that we have high-paid lawyers and you don't have a budget for high-paid lawyers, so just write us a large check and this whole thing will all go away. Yeah, that's the whole big part of what's wrong with our society at this point, where people make money for doing and creating nothing. Yeah. There's the system that the patent system is meant to protect, where for genuine inter, in event, innovation, for genuinely coming up with something that no one has come up with before, protecting people's ability to make profit off of an innovation has been mutated and perverted into this patent trolls paradise of if we can just somehow manufacture a piece of paper in the past that kind of sort of might look like it applies to a genuine innovation you came up with years later, we're going to take all your money. Yeah, 
die in a fire slowly is all I have to say to people who think that that's a legitimate way to make a living and a really good living in this day and age by vampirically sucking off the innovation of others. Yeah, die is all I have to say to them. Die. But I'm not bitter. Not at least bit, no. Moving on before I get too far off the rails there. <laughs> uh, where are we here? <laughs> From our friends at gizmodo.com. Japanese video explains nuclear situation to kids, likening it to farts. Japanese children may be used to having everything explained to them in cutesy language, but inventing a character called Nuclear Boy who really needs to do a poo and keeps stinking the neighborhood up with his farts might be going too far. Either way, the video is right when it says we have to thank the doctors who are cooling Nuclear Boy down with water. Some people, like John Graham Cummings, who's rebuilding Babbage's analytical engine computer, are calling for the Fukushima 50 to be awarded a special Nobel Prize. I do think children should be made aware of what's happening in Japan. After all, it's educational, and hearing flashes of it on the news might, might be distressing for them. But perhaps this isn't the best in the best taste when so many people's lives have been lost or changed forever over there. And there's a link to the YouTube video. Yeah, let's just file it under WTF Japan. Yeah. And that's just so many things that have come out of Japan that are just in this ilk of, wow, I'm so not a part of your culture and don't understand where that was coming from. But yeah, Nuclear Boy farting out, uh, it, uh, whatever. It's it just makes biological functions seem so much more complex especially if you know how nuclear energy actually works. It's like, yeah. that's a terrible analogy. You think? Because we're more fission-based than fusion. But anyway. <laughs> and this one kind of hits close to home for me. And if you listened to Versus the World, which appeared right on the air before this show, and you should have because it was great, especially with the unexpected return and gate-crashing of some guy whose name I forgot get uh Hortail. anyway he, that's kind of the other one the other guy yeah mm-hmm. there's kind of a major theme of their show but yeah at&t to acquire t-mobile for 39 billion dollars <sighs> the other that other gsm provider in the u.s that i deliberately didn't go with when i got my nexus one and had a choice of either T-Mobile or AT&T over the next 12 months is going to be consuming my beloved T-Mobile from Deutsche Telekom and making it part of the evil empire at which point I will be forced to purchase a CDMA phone and get back on board with Verizon oh how I hate you AT&T will acquire T-Mobile USA from telecommunications company Deutsche Telekom for an estimated $39 billion in cash and stock, the company said in a joint release Sunday. The new entity would be the biggest in the U.S., combining AT&T's $95 million, 95 million customers with, AT, with T-Mobile's 34 million users for a total of 130 million subscribers. I can only hope that the addition of 
T-Mobile's towers to AT&T's towers will make their service suck less. However, it's a combination of their service and their attitude that is what has driven me away from AT&T in the past. So in 12 months, when I get my first AT&T bill, that will be the same day that I am very thankful that I long since converted all my clients and friends to my Google Voice number, which I will promptly move to a Verizon phone. And no one in the outside world will be any the wiser that my service provider has changed and I will be giving the long middle finger to our friends at AT&T. Because you don't get me back as a customer just by buying my provider. No, sorry, it's too easy for me to switch carriers. Try again later. Improve your service and your attitude, and maybe I'll come back. I'm sure that they're only buying them because you switched services, and they were thinking, you know what, we got to get that guy back. You know it. <laughs> Someone you said in a... IRC, uh, during Octo and Hordak, when they were talking about this, it was brought up, you know, it's no coincidence that the AT&T logo looks uh, surprisingly a lot like the Death Star. This has long since been observed. You can go back to old Bloom County uh, comic strips in the 80s to notate the, right when they rolled out that logo of the, oh, God, it's the Death Star. <laughs> yeah. This is not, uh, not a new observation. All right, moving on. From Dorkly.com. Nice. Yeah. Uh, actually, we'll just include this link in the IRC and the show notes because it's completely visual and completely useless for a radio show. Uh, the weekly in-real-life Pokemon invasion, and then it proceeds to be a list of pictures. So uh, research group, uh, consider what you're linking when you're linking it. Yes, it was entertaining. No, not so useful for an audio-based internet radio show. But hey, who am I? Plus, I have no opinions on Pokemon, so... Pokemon? I just like the uh, Swedish Pokemon uh, theme that Octail plays. It is awfully catchy. Yeah. From the Escapist... A little bit. The 3DS could, sort of, help kids' eyesight... Optometrists say Nintendo's 3DS won't damage developing eyesight, and in fact, might do just the opposite. Nintendo has been warning parents since the 3DS's official debut that the 3D-capable handheld might not be suited to young children, as the parallax barrier could damage or strain developing eyesight, while the American op- optomo- ah, Optometric Association said that it should be A-OK for kids to use the system. Nintendo sticks to its word, yeah, because the lawyers told them to. However, the AOA thinks there may be a very good reason for children to play the 3DS. It could help identify potential vision disorders at an age where they're still correctable. According to AOA Associate Director for Health Sciences and Policy, Michael Duenas, the 3DS could be a godsend for aiding optometrists in diagnosing problems such as ambilopia lazy eye in children, reports the Associated Press. While sending the stereoscopic images to produce a 3D effect generally works well, it's completely artificial and lacks the more subtle cues we see in real life. Maybe light doesn't glint off the edges of an object as it should, or maybe it doesn't interact with the environment just as we expect it to. Many people can automatically correct for this, but if it's but if it's what causes eye strain and headaches, and some people with a vision disorder can't see it at all. The good news is that these disorders are easily treated as long as it's identified before age six, when our visual system is roughly finished developing. The bad news is that fewer than 15% of preschoolers ever have the sort of comprehensive eye exam that could catch the vision issue in time. 
So give your kid a 3DS and watch for blinding headaches and then save their eyesight. Makes quite no sense. That's quite an eye test. You think? Buy him a 3DS. Yeah, drop, what, 350 bucks, and then hope he gets a blinding headache? Those became available in the U.S. today, yes? Couldn't care less, but I think so, yes. Oh. I'm curious as to um, uh, what the screen images in 3D look like for uh, someone like Highlight. Uh, I don't know. Does it rely on stereoscopic vision is the question. I don't know. I'm guessing you can just go to Toys R Us or your local store that would have them on handy-dandy try-it-out display and... See what, see if what any if any of the extremely lame uh, no glasses 3D demonstrations at uh, Consumer Electronics Show are any indication, no, they won't work for her. Oh, yeah. I watched a video that someone put up on our forums of um, the 3DS working with these cards, and it uh, it reads the card and translates that into uh, this image that uh, you then have to like um, it's like some shooting game. And these cards come with come with the system, and it, it looked actually pretty cool on the YouTube video. Where the guy would walk around the card and get different views of the the 3D environment that the card created, and then was shooting at targets within it and stuff. It was pretty sweet. Hmm. Interesting. A wild nemesis has appeared. <laughs> yes, he has. He's he's whispering something to you. I received a kiss and a hug, and all nice. is right with the universe. Apparently, that was the extent of his message. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Okay, I glance at the IRC. A horrible mistake. And what do I see? From Highlander 1G, I'll have my nutrient paste and colostomy bag and a hot nurse to turn me every day so I don't get bed sores. But what? <laughs> Something about living in the Matrix. This is why I don't look at IRC during shows. My God, people, what in the hell? What? The hell! I'm going to look over here at the video wall because it's less scarring. Hi, guys. How are you doing? I live in the IRC during all the live shows. In fact, I spend five-plus hours in IRC every Sunday. That explains so many things. And we have a minor Twitch. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Twitch. Twitch. (laughs) Copy has hair going to her waist. You have hair growing out of your face. And there Mm -hmm. is symmetry. That's right. Uh, any day now, you guys will announce your engagement and marriage, right? Uh, no, perfect. she's Canadian. Oh, and that's a deal killer. How exactly? Uh, unless she brings me Tim Hortons, I guess. I don't know. Tim Hortons, she did, baby. Uh, Ooh, she baby, did baby, baby on the video wall. Baby on the video wall. Baby alert. Cute baby. My my daughter's future uh, fiance. Who's that? I'm not sure who that is. Let's see. Let's see. That's uh, Jafug. You don't know who it is, and yet you're uh, doing future marriage uh, arrangements with them. Well, yeah, because, you know, isn't that the old school way of doing things? You, you know, the parents arrange the whole thing, and there's dowries involved, and I don't know. I just work here. <laughs> he has a quest available to be turned in, though. I wonder if it involves yes, getting does. that baby it's loot. Mmm, fat loots, or is the baby the fat loot? Ah, do I need another one of those? Hell no. One is enough, and now I have two. <sighs> but I'm not bitter. <laughs> I am, however, bitter that my drop-ins are not working. What is wrong with my drop-ins? Damn you all! I feel so naked without my drop-ins! 
You know, you have to um, get in touch with Natural 22 because he has a really great drop-in uh, uh, involving the word Barry that he uh, plays during his show that I love. Oh, really? The drop-in. I love You're his show, too. out on me. Yeah, it's a good one. Natural 20, host of 20 for Tea. Every Sunday, he leads the power block of Sunday live mm-hmm. programming here on Versus the World Radio. And if you are not listening to 20 for Tea, you are failing and missing out on all that is epic from the UK. And that is all I have to say about that. It's true. And toasters are out to get us. Um, as I named it today in IRC, uh, it's the VTW 5G block of shows because it's one better than 4G. Well, of course. I mean, we didn't have a topic set for IRC, so I changed it to that. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Also, <laughs> from the research thread, as is a surprise to no one, Duke Nukem Forever delayed again. Shocked I was. The mm-hmm. longest running joke in game development history, vaporware. From giantbomb.com, Duke Nukem Forever delayed to June. Even the best laid plans can slip by a month or two. Duke Nukem Forever has been pushed back to a later June 14th release in North America and a June 10th release, a whopping four days earlier, elsewhere. It was supposed to hit worldwide shelves in early May, but something obviously got in the way of that. What's forcing Gearbox Software and publisher 2K Games' hand in postponing in the postponement of is unknown, but the reason must have been significant. Upon picking up Duke Nukem Forever, Gearbox was firm about not discussing possible release dates or launch windows for the shooter. Delays, much like engine swaps, are a legacy issue for DNF. Gearbox just wanted to make absolutely sure that whatever date was set was the date the game would hit without a shadow of a doubt. Whoops! At least the Texas-based developer has the right kind of attitude about all this. The following video, Randy Pitchford pokes some fun at himself and Duke Nukem Forever about the delay. And the video will be linked in the IRC and the show notes of today's show, which has gone on remarkably longer than I expected it to. What do you think? Oh, me? Oh, I agree. You're the only other person here! (laughs) I thought maybe you were talking to uh, Arch Nemesis. Arch Thomas uh, is I'm actually now in the next room, which is why it's quieter in here. Yeah, it, w- it would be remarkable if she replied. Uh, no, I'm not the least bit surprised that the game got delayed. In fact, I would bet that they probably uh, planned this all along as a joke, you know, oh, the game will get delayed one more time. It's another Absolutely. month. Eh, you know, we've waited, what, like 25, 30 years already. What's, what's a couple more weeks? Um, I do uh, think... Uh, that this is going to happen, I'm going to say it now uh, to put it out there so that I can say I told you so later, that someone who has been a diehard fan and been waiting this entire time for Duke Nukem to come out will uh, wait in line, but not wait in line early enough, day of release. And uh, for some odd reason and series of events, uh, get to the store and they will run out of copies uh, just before him and he will end up having to wait even longer for Duke Nukem to come out and he will kill himself. Because that'll just be the last straw. It's entirely possible, because emotions run deep in our tribe. Do you not know this? I know, but it's going to make me laugh. I, that'll, that'll be hilarious to me. That's because you're a grim, grim, evil <laughs> little man with a beard. Little. Hello? <laughs> Laughing at the suicide of others over video games. <laughs> hey, that is how Barry V.A. rolls. If it's months in advance, then yes, it will be hilarious. You're going straight to hell for that one. I hope you know that. There's a drop-in for that. 
and they're broken. Thank you for rubbing salt in the wound, you prick. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? You did. It's on the internet now. It's forever. No. Okay, that's fine. I think that the next story that we should talk about is the one immediately following what you just said, because it is of extreme relevance to me. Uh, I've lost my place. The Oh, yeah. Holy crap. Unexpected f- good fortune, Batman. And I was just watching uh, that episode late last night, actually. From our friends at io9, who have great content but a really crappy interface since their redesign. Ahem. <laughs> Losers. At least they gave us the button to put it back to good instead That's of the... True unholy suck that is the redesign of that entire network series of sites. But anyway, yeah, even after we putting in the death slot, Fringe has been renewed for a fourth season. I love this show. What's not to love about this show? Hello? Um, If I remember correctly, during the first season, I was watching it and I was telling you people, and by you people, I mean the other, you and the other show hosts of Kind of Hardcore about it, and you were all like, meh. Not this one. I've been there since episode one. Oh my gosh. The others others don't understand. They are the great unwashed. I have been on board since episode one of Fringe through the dark days of the monster of a week, of the week, you know, early episodes into the. Uh, clever reveal of the there's a much larger story going on here and thankfully they got to that reasonably quickly um, and that may be the saving grace of the show but in case you're wondering Fringe is a hard sci-fi show on the Fox network now I know I know you should be saying what why has it not yet been cancelled because that's what happens episodes? As you, my god I mean 13 or 14 should be the maximum permitted by Fox law and they're going into their fourth season with a massive, really well-thought-out story arc and really good quality content. That's normally the sign of instant death on the Fox Network, and yet... And they, and they got part of the way there. They parked the, the show in the Friday death slot, which is their normal precursor to instant cancellation and denial of ever existing in the first place. And instead, they've turned around and renewed it for another season. I mean, I think I've slipped into an alternate dimension. How about you? Which would be fitting, giving the show if you knew anything. You else. think? Did you see what I did there? <laughs> I did. I see what you did there. There's only one possible explanation, and it William would be, Bell heads up the Fox Network in the other side. Probably, but um, I would think it'd have to do with all the support that they got from PaceyCon. PaceyCon. <laughs> you didn't hear about this? No. Stand, or tell the listeners about that. I'm going to go fetch an arch nemesis. Okay. Um, last year at I believe at Comic Con, um, the star one of the stars of the show Fringe, um, who also played Pacey on uh, Dawson's Creek when he was younger and was on the Mighty Ducks show, and I can't think of his name right now off the top of my head. I should probably Google it, but you all know who I'm talking about if you're into the show. He made a video uh, at Comic Con where he was walking around and um, advertising the fact that it was such a coincidence that all these people were in town for Comic-Con because um, PaceyCon was going on at the exact same time, the convention for all the fans of Dawson's Creek uh, and his character from Dawson's Creek to gather. And uh, he even had uh, T-shirts and laminates made up. And um, he was trying to get into the convention center for Comic-Con that he was a guest speaker at 
and probably one of the biggest stars uh, at because of his uh, being on fringe and everything. And uh, the security guards turned him away at the door. Of and course it, they did. It was very hilarious. It's a hilarious video. It's on YouTube. Um, but I, do you have to remind me what is the name of that actor? I cannot think of it. Which character does he play? Um, he, he plays the son on the show. Peter. Peter. What's his name? I his don't real remember. Name. But anyways, he you. made this. He made this video about um, at Comic Con last year, where it's just, just somebody following him around the camera about how he was in town for PaceyCon, mm-hmm. uh, the convention about his character from Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> and awesome. it's it's a it's a hilarious video. But yeah, he had t-shirts and laminates made up, and he tried to get into the convention with them, and they wouldn't let him in, even though he was actually a guest speaker at Comic-Con. Awesome. The security guard turned him away. So from io9, the news just hit this afternoon. Fringe, which was on the bubble, has at last been renewed for another season. We've been rooting for this crazy show where we've come to care for the people in the alternate Earth as much as we do with the people in our own. According to Entertainment Weekly, network executives have confirmed producer J.H. Wyman's tweet that the show has been renewed. Fringe is one of the best sci-fi shows on TV right now, and we can't wait to see what comes next. I was a little upset and annoyed, and I thought it was a very bad sign last night when I was watching my recording of Friday's show that at the end of the show was, now, in three weeks, there'll be a new episode of Fringe. Like, wow, you guys are hammering another nail in the coffin of putting massive interrupts into the new episode string, which is just another way to kill a show, which is how they killed Firefly, because Firefly was moved to the death slot and then was repeatedly preempted by basketball and other specials and just you'd wait two three random periods of weeks to get your next dose which is just the the kiss of death for any episodic television show because you want to tune in during the season every week for your episode of your episodic show go figure huh yes but again not bitter or anything (laughs) I would like to say, and I was actually telling my brother about this the other day, he asked me, um, he, he hasn't watched Fringe, and I was telling him how great it is, he should check it out and all this stuff, and he's like, do you have it on DVD? And I said, no, actually, I have it on Blu-ray. Fringe mm-hmm. is the reason I bought a Blu-ray player. Awesome. I was holding out and waiting and deciding Xbox or PlayStation, I was on the fence going one way or the other, and um, it was when they finally announced, I think, that they were going to have Netflix on Xbox that I finally said... Screw it, I'll just get an Xbox, and then I won't have to worry about the Blu-ray player. I bought the cheapest Blu-ray player you could get with my employee discount at the evil giant store I was working at at the time. And it was... Sounds like the, Fest Fry. It was similar. It was the week that Fringe came out on Blu-ray, and it was my at-purchase, you know, when I got the system, and it was, oh, totally worth it. Yep. There's a reason why... I have a PlayStation 3, and it's not to play PS3 games. It's because it plays Blu-rays beautifully and has the best freaking Netflix streaming interface of the bunch. Xbox right. isn't bad. Yeah, well, I, I, have, I have no basis for comparisons. I do not have an Xbox 360, but of the choices I have here, which is a Mac Mini, a Windows Media Center PC, a Wii, or a TiVo HD, or the PS3, the PS3 far and away amongst those is the massively superior interface as far as quality of picture and interface design for being able to search, add and remove things to the instant queue, and get recommendations right on the screen just way better than any of those others. I don't know how the 360 figures into that. But anyway, that brings us up to our next break. 
And our final break for this uh, strange and weird off-the-map episode of Casually Hardcore, live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. Our show is brought to you in part by Audible. Audible.com wants to bring you fantastic literature read by interesting people. They have tens of thousands of unabridged books available for audio download to your favorite portable audio device. Go to the front page of vtwproductions.com and click on the audible.com ad on the left-hand side. Or, alternately, go to your browser and go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash vtwproductions. If you are a new customer from the United States or Canada, you will get a free audiobook download and we will get money-os in return for us getting you subscribed to their service. I'm not only a promoter of the service, I am also a customer. I am listening to The Dark Tower even as we speak. Well, not right now, but you know, right now in my life and loving every minute of it. Check it out on the web, audible.com or audiblepodcast.com forward slash VTW Productions for your freebie and our money owes. We will be back right after a little bit of Exorb and mm, I think we have some Jonathan Colton in the form of the Portal song. We'll be back right after this. I must end this battle very soon, for I must get home and listen to VTWProductions.com versus the World Radio. Huh? Where's Chim Chim? <laughs>
It's hard to overstate my satisfaction at Betcher Science. We do what we must because we can. For the good of all of us, except the ones who are dead. But there's no sense crying over every mistake. You just keep on trying till you run out of cake. And the science gets done, and you make a neat gun for the people who are still alive. Casually Hardcore continues live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. And I'm attempting to get logged into my uh, show email here, and it's fighting me on this rig here. I believe we have some content segments we owe you guys. And there we go. There's our Casually Hardcore login. And I think we have at least an episode of uh, Northrend News for you guys. But, uh, Barry, say amusing things to the folks while I sift through the inbox. Amusing things to the folks. Boom. Spoon in the IRC just uh, horribly massacred the how-do-you-spell octail. So I'm going to share that correct spelling with him. Uh, I think Spoon in the IRC is also on Spoon! Someone may be claiming to be Spoon here. There's a spawn on the video wall. I'm assuming that's the same person. It would uh, be consistent with the uh, bad at spelling that we've noticed. 
Um, what else can I talk? What is the Douglas Adams Doctor Who story becoming a book? Ooh, now I know that. that he did write scripts for Doctor Who back in the day. Back in the seventies, uh, the Planet of Gold was one of his. Where you can see him reusing the name Vogons for an alien race. And oh, was, you know way more about it than I do. <laughs> there's a uh, because I'm a big Doctor Who nerd, like old school Doctor Who. Uh, I thought I was, but I didn't know that. Oh no, he he wrote uh, four episodes, and three of them got filmed, and Shada got partially filmed, and actually has elements in it that he then reused in Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agencies, nice. um, and it never got finished filming because of a strike. Uh, in the BBC production facilities during the time. So there's only bits and pieces of it available that were actually filmed. And there have been various attempts at attempt trying to you know, get something published. There's a VHS you can get where they go back and forth between the little bits that were filmed and scrolling text and voiceovers to describe the storyline. Um, and there's also was a webcast of it, uh, fully dramatized, which is apparently quite good, but... Uh, but from io9 yet again, with a lovely picture of young Lala Ward up at the top, uh, a screen cap from the uh, little bit that was filmed of Shada. Uh, she was oh so briefly Tom Baker's wife, and then he screwed it up. Oh, well. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy creator Douglas Adams wrote three Doctor Who stories in the late 1970s, but only two of them ever made it to the screen. The third, Shada, was never completed due to a strike. Now, at last, a book version of Shada is coming from BBC Books in 2012. And the good news is it'll be written by one of the few writers who stands a chance of doing justice to Adams' genius. Gareth Roberts, writer of some of the most inventive Doctor Who novels, including The Highest Science, as well as three Who episodes, most recently The Lodger, which I thought was a very good one with the uh, current David Smith Doctor, with him uh, becoming a roommate for a uh, typical... Side note? Yes? That roommate is uh, scheduled to reappear in the new season. Yes, the same. Not just the actor, but the character is meant yes. to re- reappear in the new season. Um, Which is I'm awesome. All, I am all set with my creative method of getting the BBC iPlayer to work on my television to absorb those episodes as soon as they become available. Because uh, I'm not willing to pay the fifty dollars a month that Cox Communication wants to sell me dozens of stations I care nothing about in order to get the one copy of BBC America. So I've been forced to do clever workarounds using their internet service. Yay, Tor. And that's all I'll say about that. I will just uh, watch them illegally on the internet. Nothing illegal about it. They they offer it up for free streaming. I take advantage of free streaming. Ta-da! I watched Uh, the Christmas episode again the other night. Oh, because the most recent Christmas episode was quite good. Um, no. That and the... Uh, who's the actor they had playing the ostensible villain? Um, Dumbledore. Uh, God, what's his name? He was the second Dumbledore, yeah. Yeah, well, the, well, the, non, the non-dead Dumbledore. <laughs> the non-dead um, well, well, Dumbledore's dead, but... I'm sorry, the, on, your, on your page with the story, uh, this, uh-huh. this IO9 page, is there a mighty fine tease... Uh, advertisement on there? No, I've got a CDW ad on mine. Oh, that's too bad. There's a side. Uh, there, apparently, there's this T-shirt company called Mighty Fine, and they they sell comic book and geek related T-shirts. There's an awesome one with Doctor Doom on a unicorn, surrounded by a rainbow, and it just says Doom. Okay. And I, I want that, I want that T-shirt. Shocked I was. Yeah. You with the beard and all. Yeah, the Doom uh, 
uh, in Shada, the Doctor and Romana are summoned to Cambridge University to visit a retired Time Lord who's living incognito as Professor Cronotis. And anyone who has, who has read or listened to uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency would know, hey, that's the same damn guy. Uh, turns out Cronotis has kept one very special book that he took from the Time Lord's planet Gallifrey and an evil mind-stealing alien named Gagra wants the book for himself. The book will reveal the location of the prison world Shada, home of Gallifrey's most notorious criminal, Selyavin. Okay, whatever. So watch for the novelization of the lost episode of Doctor Who Shada. Actually, there are many, many lost episodes, especially from the earliest years, the William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton years, when the BBC had an annoying habit of just throwing stuff out of their film vaults after a certain period of time with no regard to historical significance. So, huge numbers of film reels of the early 1960s, William Hartnell Doctor Who's and Patrick Troughton Doctor Who's were just thrown into the bin. And very few of them have been recovered from private collections over the years. Fools and morons. But I guess this was before the era of digital storage and where stuff actually took up space and needed to be maintained and rotted when you didn't take nice care of it. So I kind of get it, but meh. Have you watched all of the uh, Doctor Who on Netflix since the streaming? Uh, Pretty much everything they have available, yeah. I I can only take limited doses of the older ones because... Having tasted of the fruit that is the modern Doctor Who, when BBC mm-hmm. is willing to throw more than a couple of pence at the special effects, <laughs> effects budget, um, I'm a little spoiled. So yeah. most recently I was watching The Three Doctors, which was mm-hmm. their first attempt at uh, using three of the actors at once. So they had William Hartnell, who was very old and very infirm. Uh, was barely able to deliver his lines. And they had to rewrite him to basically sit in a chair and talk at a TV screen. And Patrick Troughton and John Pertwee, the uh, one doctor I've had the pleasure, actor I've had the pleasure of meeting in person before he passed away, uh, who was uh, present at a Doctor Who convention in my hometown when I was growing up, and was an extremely pleasant and approachable, and very, very good memories of my young self meeting John Pertwee, uh, and some stars out there who do conventions can be quite prickish prickish about it. He was kind of the polar opposite of extremely welcoming and absolutely willing to stop and talk to a preteen kid who is uh, obviously in complete awe of his idol. So, massive shout out to John Pertway, uh, the dearly departed, and we miss you. And, yeah, so Three Doctors was the most recent uh, foray of mine via the, vir- the miracle of Netflix Instant View into the, the long history of Doctor Who. And I have many kids these days kind of moments these days where people who have only really come into Doctor Who with its recent incarnation as of 2005 and don't really have a sense of the 36-year history, I want to say, of Doctor Who from the 60s to the late 80s. And then that, yeah. that that thing in the 90s with uh, Paul McGann, um, which, uh, as a standalone episode, I guess it was okay, um, but was really a ham-fisted attempt to Americanize something that is uniquely British. And I'm Isn't that the one with Eric Roberts in it? Yes, that's the one with Eric Roberts in it. <laughs> 
See, I always felt as a kid, even as a latecomer, having started watching the 80s, I was like, well, there was a bunch of stuff that happened before this that I don't even get. Mm-hmm. And even now, going back and watching the limited stuff there is on Netflix and, and, and kind of catching and reading about it on the internet, it's still like a massive. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, think, the star, you, you, you think the Star Wars universe is. Deep. Oh, no. That, no, I mean, Do- you have to Doctor Who is massive, massive material. And, I mean, there's stuff. They have huge numbers of books. I mean, the Eighth Doctor, Paul McGann's Doctor from the U.S. the U.S. Uh, produced movie, had a long history in books, radio plays, and stage productions. And the actor actually gave complete carte blanche for them to use his image on book covers and and promotional materials. So even though the actor only did the one movie, that character lived a very full, rich life in the, you know, the Bible of that universe. In that interim between when it went on hiatus, when the show went on hiatus in the late 80s, and didn't return until 2005, which is part of the reason why when they do, and they've done this several times since the, uh, the reviving of the series, when they do the flashbacks of all the previous Doctors, Paul McGann is absolutely included as canon, as here is one of the regenerations of the Doctor. Now, they've had to do some tap dancing around the fact that one of the story points that the American authors decided to throw into the American movie was that the Doctor was supposed to have been half-human, which is complete BS as far as the established canon of the series is. And they've, they've actually done multiple versions of why that was a lie or why that was not accurate or why he was... He was feeling messed up because of a, a bad regeneration. Basically, they said, yeah, we're going to backpedal from that one because that doesn't fit in uh, our universe of what this character is. And, and The Doctor that lied. That's all it was. He, he lied. He was confused. It's bold, silly, silly American writers. No, he doesn't need to be half-human for us to care about him. He's <laughs> pure Gallifreyan all the way. Thank you very much. Moving on. And when we meet Christopher Eccleston's Doctor... In the revival, it's, I, the indications are it's supposed to be he's fresh off his regeneration from the Paul McGann version because in some of his very first scenes, he's kind of checking himself out in the mirror and you know, yeah. ch- checking out his ears and lamenting the fact that he yet again has regenerated and has not come out as a ginger. Apparently, he's, <laughs> he, he's pining for the day that he regenerates and gets to be ginger. Um, now, I had read somewhere that they theorized that this was the Doctor, and he also was recently just coming from the, the time war that takes place between exactly. the last days and this one, too. And so he's, that's why he's so angry, and it's so fresh in his mind. No, that, that I think was one of the best story devices they came up with to make the character more interesting, is he has this huge backstory that we've missed out on that has had a significant impact on him and mm-hmm. a significant impact on the universe. Stand by. And they've since gotten back to telling us the story. And I, think, I thought it was a nice, uh, for the cap-off to David Tennant's tenure as the Doctor, the reveal that he, his part in the Time War was to overthrow his own people. That yeah. the Gallifreyans, the Time Lords, had lost their way. And the nice other nod there was that it was not just any old leader of the Time Lords, but freaking Rassilon, who mm-hmm. was who is this epic 
historic leader of the Time Lords that they've referenced many times throughout the series as you know the great hero and the somewhat dubiously are we sure he's good or he's evil kind of guy and bringing him out as resoundingly evil, willing to do whatever is necessary to preserve his people against the Daleks and that the Doctor got into their plans. Um, and they haven't really followed up on some of the stuff they revealed during that episode as to who was this mysterious woman. You know, all the speculation was, you know, is that the doctor's mother? Who, who is the, the woman who was kind of moving things behind the scenes and was obviously in a place of power in the, you know, the time-locked uh, war? And there's still stories to be told there. And I'm kind of happy that the current, and they, they've, you know, they've transitioned to a new production team and a new writing team. And they're following up on some of the stuff they've established previously, like the character of uh, River Song, um, mm-hmm. and who was like, "Hey, I, know, I remember your when you were on ER here in the U.S. What up with that?" And giving us the backstory and actually, you know, fleshing out the, the, that character's whole storyline and playing with the whole when you are telling the story of a time traveler. Things don't necessarily have to happen in linear order. So we're meeting her at random yeah. points in their interaction. We never know quite when are we meeting. You know what, though? I have a problem with that, and I hope, I'm, I'm praying and hoping that it doesn't fall in this cliche of their relationships um, meeting in reverse, where um, it won't get to the point where we hear get a lot of River Song and stories before we get to the point where the Doctor meets her for the first time, you know, for, from her perspective, because it seems like that they're almost on the rails to go that way. Where, you know, when he we, when we first were first introduced to her character, the Doctor had no idea who she was. Right, he was meeting Obviously, her for the first time. He was meeting her for the first time, but it almost seems like we're only meeting her in reverse, like almost exactly reverse order. No, it's not. It's not exactly reverse order. We've 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 had two different episodes that were completely out of order and seemed like very deliberately where. They knew more than she did because the most recent one where they had with the uh, the deadly angels, right? Uh, Amy says, "Oh, is this Professor Song?" and and she says, "I'm going to be a professor." Oh, that's right. And yeah. So they've now reversed the roles of now they're ahead of her. So that was hey, that's kind of a nice twist. Now. Yeah. Also, in David Tennant's final episode, when he arrives at the planet of the Ood, he makes a reference to, you know, he took his time. He did a lot of detouring between when we saw him at the waters of Mars and saw him showing up for his final episode. Mm-hmm. He mentions, I went here, went there, you know, time machine, I can do as much as I want. And, oh, I got married. That was, may have been a mistake. So they, they <laughs> may have already given the nod to, you know, they've had their relationship off screen and, and it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see, because I mean they are they are stuck with the the one hour you know show format. So anyway, that was one hell of a Doctor Who tangent, which has eaten <laughs> up the rest of the show time. And Arch Nemesis is reaching the end of her patience. So we could go on about a, Doctor Who for weeks. Yeah, I kind of could, which is not necessarily making for the most interesting radio. So I'm just glad we managed to get a full two hour show together for you guys in the face of me home alone with the kids. <sighs> Thank you just- for the. For the assist there, Barry VA. Yeah, to break the glass, there's an emergency backup uh, person to talk at. Indeed, indeed. 
You have been listening to Casually Hardcore Live on Versus the World Radio. Check us out on the web at www.vtwproductions.com. Click on the shows banner at the top of the page and check out all the fine shows there. You will be glad that you did. Now joining Versus the World Radio in another simulcast from Frog Pants Studios is award-winning podcast The Instance with Scott Johnson, Terpster, and Dills. Join them Saturday mornings on vtwproductions.com for the Shoutcast simulcast. We are working with Frog Pants Studios to provide them with low bandwidth stream for all their live recordings. They generally broadcast video, which does not play nice with most mobile devices. We are providing them the nice mobile device friendly shoutcast streaming for all their productions. So check out all the shows you find on vtwproductions.com, including our new arrivals, The Morning Stream, and The Instance from Frog Pants Studios. We will be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. I have been Gnomewise. I have been Barry. And we are... Out of here!